Hey everybody, and welcome to Retromania, a pro wrestling podcast. Uh, retrospectively, we take a look back and fantasize, romanticize, and wrestle with your sports entertainment fandom. I'm your host, artist and entertainer, Kobe Nida, and I'm joined, as always, by Jimmy Price. Yes, indeed. And uh, we're here to bring you The Origin of Attitude. This is episode four, so if you haven't heard anything else, uh, please go back and listen. And to everybody who has been uh, checking it out on Mole Radio, uh, thank you very much. Uh, Please feel free to reach out to us at any time. Um, We are just getting started. Yes, indeed. And we're diving into an area right now. We're at late May 97, and we're going to go towards July and uh, hit us off at the end of tail end of Canadian Stampede and right into SummerSlam 97. So we can catch up with the timeline um, that we intended to so we can follow it retrospectively, 20 years in the making. Yeah, yeah we'll pretty much we'll, we'll be following the timeline directly from here you know, through the end of 97. We're, we're caught up, so I think the plan is to go uh, bi-weekly and you know, just, it will be matching up directly with where uh, they were at 20 years ago. So we'll be finally caught up after this. Exactly, and then we'll have some bonus episodes. Um, Jimmy will bring along some friends. I will bring along some friends as well, and we'll uh, relive, romanticize, and wrestle with their sports entertainment fandom. Absolutely, yeah. Some of the greatest uh, or not-so-greatest feuds or matches or something from nostalgias. Yeah, something that, that, uh, that, that was meaningful to them in their uh, development as a uh, pro wrestling fan. Exactly. From nostalgia's end, um, we're gonna we're gonna bring it in um, here. Um, so this is episode four. Last episode three, um, we left off with Stone Cold, Steve Austin, and Shawn Michaels. Um, they're about to team up against the Hart Foundation yeah. for going the tag for, titles. Yep, going for that tag team gold, and uh, they make it very well known that they have a uh, a distaste for each other, but they have a greater distaste for the Hart Foundation. Yes, indeed, and that's their uh, that's their linkage right now. That's the only thing that's that's bonding them. Um, and as you noticed, um, I don't know. Shawn Michaels has kind of gotten more into the realm of the attitude himself. Yeah, definitely turning it up to eleven. Um, as far as you know, openly discussing his personal life and uh, the personal lives of uh, you know Bret Hart and some other individuals in the locker room. Right, that's what we covered last episode too. Was the Sunny Days comment of yeah. uh, Shawn Michaels to Bret Hart? Yeah, and there's going to be some uh, some big consequences uh, shortly for for that comment. A, a follow up on that comment, actually, Sunny did a. Um, uh, a shoot interview and she claimed that she never did anything with Bret Hart. They had a kiss. They shared a kiss and she said it wasn't the greatest kiss. So I mean, it's not the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be of kissers. But, yeah. Uh, Didn't excellently execute that kiss. Uh, but around this time she was banging Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and a few, few others, I think. And Chris Candido. Yeah. Who she was with who, would soon uh, pass away due to um, a lot of issues, but yeah. some of their relationship. She claimed that she chose Chris over Sean at this time, and that's kind of why Sean was pissed off and made those comments in a way. Yeah, so you could kind of uh, you know get at both of them 
Yeah, with one with one foul swoop and uh, sort of mess things up in their in their personal lives, respectively. Right. So um, that's that's a little insight there. Um, anything else going on in the world right now? Ninety seven. Drawing a blank. I mean, Hanson Hanson's hitting it big at this point. Are we talking about when you said the world? I'm thinking like big. big I guess big, yeah. We should look up stuff big, like that. Big picture. Hanson is probably hitting it big. Right yeah. Now. Uh, in the world of wrestling, uh, yeah, we have uh, WCW continuing uh, their dominance in the ratings for the time being, riding mm-hmm. riding on the uh, um, on the end on the strength of the NWO. Right. It's kind of getting um, a little out overplayed but then they have the sting angle coming up which will be good uh which will build towards the end of the year and this is going to be one of their best selling shows and um as far as pay-per-view buys and as far as uh you know house buys too yeah yeah this is uh this is uh right um in the era of sting not showing up to wrestle or cut a promo but just ominously standing uh you know, in in the in the rafters of the building, and uh, just it's got the crow makeup, but hasn't said anything yet. And they did a really good job of building it slowly uh, with him. So they're they're working towards their big show at the end of the year. Um, at the same time as uh, WWF is undergoing some major major changes. Major changes, man. This is crazy. Um, they also had the show Livewire air at the end of ninety six, I think, or. Yeah, it was in that in that neighborhood, and that's more of a breaking kayfabe show. So you get more behind the scenes, and you had Paul Heyman call in, you had some other people call in and make notes to WCW and ECW, and uh, just insider stuff, more into the the world of Dave Meltzer and behind the scenes. Definitely, yeah, and I think this was hosted initially by Jim Ross, and yes. uh, yeah, so it was. It, it uh, I remembered. I would I would tune in as a kid, but I like it was all like you know over my head, you know, being like you know seven eight years old, um, in terms of like a lot of the insider stuff. But I still like was intrigued by it. I remember. Yep. So we're we're getting that little break. I I remember um, I remember seeing a couple episodes and just being like confused. I, I, I like the same as you. I just didn't get it. Um, yeah. But. We'll see how that ties in um, later because they're they're really breaking characters here um, beyond the norm of WWF is what they would do. Um, usually, a guy has a name and he sticks with that name, never reveals his other name. Um, all right, let's let's get into it. So we have May twenty sixth, nineteen ninety seven. This is episode two eleven overall. We start off the show with Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels, and they're arguing about who's going to be the team captain, and they're already not having good chemistry. Yeah, yeah, just uh, who's going to be the top dog in the team to uh, sort of alpha males, uh, you know, button heads um, leading into this tag team match. And then we get the uh, Legion of Doom. They come out. They say if... uh, if Austin and Michaels win tonight, that they want a tight team title shot. Yeah, and Sean guarantees it to him without yeah. without you know talking to Austin. And I think there's a great moment where like where Sean says that, and there, Austin gets one of his uh, classic reactions 
uh, strung across his face. Like, did you really just, you know, promise Legion of Doom a shot right off the bat? Mm -hmm. And then we have the Heart Foundation. They come out. Uh, Brett is not in a wheelchair. No crutches with him. So he's looking all right. Get back to full strength. Um, this actually leads into a match between uh, Brian Pillman and Jim Neidart and the Legion of Doom. Yeah, uh, it's an all right little scramble. Yeah, it's it's not not much to be seen. I think is was this Pillman's first match back? I think so. yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was it was a big deal, and that was his first televised match. Um, but uh, yeah, not not a whole lot to see there. And he's still he's still kind of. Um, Ginger. Yeah, the the ankle is is what, and unfortunately for the rest of his career and his life, would continue to give him problems and limit him. And so we never really got to see, you know, what he was in his WCW days. We never got to see that in WWF, and that's just. I think if if Brian Pillman could have survived, you know, you know, would have been able to, you know, stay alive and and stay active in the WWF. Could you imagine? The type of run he would have had in the Attitude Era. Could you imagine? Some I the, think he would have been the Stone Cold. Yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, my opinion. Yeah, if not, if not the Stone Cold, then definitely one A to to you know his sort of um, uh, level of success because he the the things he could have done and the promos he could have cut, the guys he could have worked with, he would have been huge. It it, it felt at this point in time, it felt like um, Brett kind of wanted to step out of wrestling anyhow. But he he's got this big contract and it's le- leaning towards a legends deal, so it's going to wane down, you know, the days that he performs. Yeah. So he wants to go out carrying the torch one last time and give back. And uh, he's he's definitely taken Pillman under the wing because he's an associate with the Heart Foundation. And if, like we said, if if Pillman stayed healthy, if all things went accordingly. I believe it would have been Stone Cold and Pillman rivaling a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we could have gotten, if it worked out, Sean and and Brett, you know, rivaling too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, the possibilities. 1A. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, into the match, we have Legion of Doom setting up for a Doomsday device and the Heart Foundation stop it for a DQ. And HBK and Austin come down for the save. And HBK runs into Austin on accident. It's setting up uh, some tension between the two. Definitely. Um, Later in the night, we're going to get an interview with Stone Cold. But he's jumped by the Heart Foundation. And then we come back from a commercial. And Austin is going to check on Sean because he's going to chew him out. He's like, you didn't have my back. But Sean has been attacked. So... Um, yeah, they're both, uh, not looking out for each other and they're, the heart foundations getting the best of them. Yeah. Outnumbered and divided is not a good combination. Exactly. And, uh, heart foundation are showing their more healer side They're They're attacking people. They're dastardly now, you know, definitely. Yeah. Um, this is also the episode where we have the famous Mick Foley, the, the first part of the Mick Foley and Jim Ross interview. Um, it's, it's mankind in a mask though. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's mankind. It's, it's really Mick Foley and the mankind masses is, is sort of like the vibe of the interview. And, uh, I remember these like really having an imprint on me, uh, watching it, uh, at a young age, just, you know, just the, the rawness of it. Um, and the, uh, you know, they get into, you know, his whole backstory and the way that Foley delivers, 
um, some of these answers to his questions and the intensity that he has. It's it, some of the some of the great interview segments that were done that year. Indeed, um, he he suggested that he wanted to do it with mankind, the the mask, um, mm. rather than just be Mick Foley straight up and kind of break this character. Yeah. Um, right there, and I think it's a brilliant touch. Yeah, sort of how how did Mick Foley become mankind in, in right. kayfabe? And and we'll we'll build on that about who else he's become or will become again. Yeah, yeah, there's gonna be some some additional faces. Yeah, uh, the main event of this night, it's a tag match. It's uh, about ten and a half, and it's a hot tag to Austin at the end, and it breaks down. Some mayhem, and Sean comes in with a sweet chin music on Bulldog, and Austin jumps over for the one, two, three, and we have new tag team champions. Yes. Uh, so Austin and Sean did it, despite uh, despite all their differences. They uh, they come out on top with the gold, and now it's now the focus is how are these two going to continue? Now they have to continue to try to work together now that they have the belts. So uh, right. Before that can uh, the show can end, the foundation does a number on them. Uh, Austin could really care about care less about Sean, um, and he he sees Brett and he tackles Brett, and he hammers the knee with the belt, and the Hart Foundation chased him away, and Sean is left completely motionless in the ring. Uh, but Austin is uh, celebrating, said he say saying he did it himself. Yeah. Going up the ramp, basically. Yeah, it was all him. He's I did he, it all by myself. He's the tag team champions. Yep. Uh the actual boring main event of tonight. Well, not too boring, but it's Paul Bear. He's revealing there were three graves in this situation with Undertaker. Yeah. Can, you want to bring everybody up to date with go, what's going on between Undertaker and Paul Bear? Yeah, so this goes back to SummerSlam of 96 when uh, Paul Bear initially turned on Undertaker uh, in the Boiler Room ball, Brawl match uh, against Mankind. Um, and so they feuded. He, was, he represented Mankind and Vader for a short period of time as well. Um, and so then he went, then Paul Bear sort of went away for a little while. Um, and he was the Paul Bear that we knew throughout the nineties with the, uh, you know, the dramatic makeup and, and the high pitch shrieking. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get into the middle part of 1997 where we are now. And, uh, Paul Bear is back, but he's not wearing the makeup. He's, uh, just out Natural. there in plain clothes. He's still got that shrill voice. Uh, but it's not as exaggerated. It's just his real voice. And he's saying, you know, he's cutting these promos saying that he has this dirt, this information on the undertaker that he's, you know, kept buried for so long. He's a murderer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so he's, uh, just sort of, sort of teasing that, um, and, and very slowly. Cause like, even in this interview, like he says, he's gonna, He's going to reveal it, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do the big reveal yet in this one, right? He just, he, he says that there's, um, there's three graves. Yeah. Um, not two. Yeah. So yeah. that means that there was somebody else. Yeah. So he did the Undertaker. The story is that the Undertaker set his, uh, parents, uh, funeral home where they lived on fire, killing both of them. Yeah. Um, and now this allusion to a third grave is, uh, creating a little bit more intrigue. Yes, indeed. Undertaker seems confused, but also pissed off. He's like, "Yeah, God damn this goofy ass storyline." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it, it would it would it would go to uh, to make everybody. It would turn out to make everybody a lot of money. But uh, oh, yeah, man. 
um it, it was it was interesting too like i was i was hooked i was like what is what is the deal like me too i, I it's, it's like a murder what like, yeah what's going on three graves who what what yeah it's it's like um i don't know it might be the closest that um wwf ever approached like a uh like a not just soap opera, but like murder mystery type of storytelling, almost like I don't want to say almost on the same level as Twin Peaks, but uh, <laughs> sort of sort of approaching approaching that territory, at least with this storyline. It's some it's it's some fascinating stuff. I mean, wait until we get to the the great line by Vince McMahon where that's got to be that is that that's yeah. got to that's got to be. Yep. It's really great. You're you're right. It's it's a groundbreaking little mystery that gets solved. Um, this is the go home show coming up next for King of the Ring. This is episode two twelve of Raw is War in the War Zone. This is June second, nineteen ninety seven. Take us back to last Monday, where Austin hit Bret Hart in the knee, and they say that Bret's heart Bret Hart's knee is re injured. So, a lot of re, a lot of injuring and re-injuring going on during the summer of '97. Yeah, so the match won't be happening with Sean. Um, and there's Sean and Austin on split screens, and they're arguing. And Brett says uh, to Pillman, "Don't face Austin at King of the Ring. Let Shawn Michaels and Austin work it out between each other. Yeah. They should face each other." And they're down with that. Um, and Austin's going to kick Hitman's crippled ass after he beats Sean because he had the king of the ring and he's going to be, you know, he's going to beat Sean's ass at the king of the ring. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, then later in the night, we have Shawn Michaels and Austin against the LOD. And that's yeah. the match that they promised them. That promised title match. Yeah. Yes, indeed. It's a decent match, I guess. I don't know. It's. Yeah, I'll admit I have to go back and rewatch this one. Um, it's one of those where you, it's like a super card type match. But. Yeah, it, like you got four Hall of Famers in the ring, and you know. But I mean, to be fair, I think LOD at this point in their career was you know were not the uh, you know as smooth as they as they once were. Not that they were ever like you know super technicians in mm-hmm. the ring, but there was there was a time you know in 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 the late eighties and early nineties, and that they were you know. Um, they could go in there with guys like the Four Horsemen and you know work just, a decent match. Yeah, just I yeah. think it's because Austin and uh, Sean kind of want to save their bump card. These guys are both having um, some injuries and uh, some stuff going on with them. Yeah, everybody has a bump card. Yep, even and the greats. Actually, all, uh, there's rumors that um, in the match that Sean and Austin had with Owen and Davey. Mm-hmm. Um, that Austin injures his neck, and this is actually pretty severe. Yeah, and he goes and he gets a consultation, and the doctor says you should never wrestle again. And he's got severe erosion on his neck. Yeah. Um. So this is even before a terrible incident with him happens later in the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then- so I don't know if this is build up to what happens later or um. Yeah, I I didn't know anything about this personally. Like I think I assumed like uh like a lot of fans probably do that this, you know, this match that he has um, you know, later in the summer is, you know, 
and you know the gnarly it's a gnarly injury and and a lot of people assume that's the beginning of his neck issues but it, it probably goes back to this early part because um you know it's I, i've been reading through some of the uh some of the old uh uh, wrestling observer newsletters and there's mm-hmm. there's allusions to austin being um you know being banged up as early as june including specifically uh melter mentioning his neck yep. so uh yeah this is probably more so than i mean not maybe not more so but this is the beginning of his um you know neck problems that would eventually put an end to his career yep and um around this time too sean is saying that um Austin claimed he was going to um, try to get out of uh, get out get off some time for uh, claiming an injury um, kind of how similar to how Sean did in a way yeah um, I mean but Sean had the complications with the knee but you have to go through doctor things but it's all kind of uh, iffy on both ends if yeah. you ask me yeah and there's you know, politics being, you know, being thrown in and, you know, used and uh, maneuvered, you know, in terms of like all these injuries and, and everything that they're, you know, everything that's going on, even even the legit injuries, not to say that like any of these um, weren't legit, but, you know, there's at the end of the day, there's so much politicking going on mm-hmm. um, that, that that definitely uh, plays a role um, for for all of our, you know, our main focuses, you know. Yep. Um, into this match with LOD and Austin and Michaels, uh, seven and a half minutes, and it's a count out. And HBK and Austin tussle at the end, and they get separated, and Austin hits his knee into the ring steps, and that's building up for their match at King of the Ring. Uh, and that's what's up next. King of the Ring, June 8th, 1997. Yeah. <clears throat> do you remember this one? I do, yeah. Um, uh, remember, this was another one that I was able to uh, tape on the old black box. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a good show. That I, there wasn't, I wasn't as interested in the tournament this year as I had been in mm-hmm. years past. It ended up being pretty, pretty good. Um, you have uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Mankind in the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, uh, you know, they put on, they put on a great match and that sort of, uh, continues their feud that would, um, go throughout that summer that, you know, produced a lot of good matches. Don't remember being as into the tournament as I was, uh, definitely interested in seeing what happens with, uh, Austin and Michaels. And it turns out, you know, it's not the, not the greatest show, but it's a pretty, pretty decent show overall. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple good matches. The, the 30 minute match with Owen, um, Davey and DLOD. Yeah. And, um, that's okay. Um, then we get a good match between mankind and triple H. Yeah. I I like that one. Um, they use the scepter and they smash it over mankind's head. Yeah. Triple H in China. Of course he's using China as this, at this time. Yep. Yep. Um, this is nice because he's like a big dude already and he's kind of uh, already dastardly. But now he's got this this big woman who's yeah. doing even more stuff for him. Yeah, and he's hiding behind her. And it just, uh, it just adds to the um, sort of the old school heel heat that he was still man- He was still getting, you know, despite the fact that we're increasingly into moving into this like post kayfabe right. uh, territory. Right. And it, it, and 
in some way, it kind of reminded me of like Shawn Michaels with Luna. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good comparison. You know, like yeah. she was kind of dastardly. I don't know so much with Shawn Michaels and Sherry. She didn't really get involved too much. She had the the love angle with Rick Martel and then yeah. the Marty Jannetty stuff. That was right. about love stuff. But yeah. th- talking about somebody who interferes like Luna. Yeah, um, yeah, like when behalf. like when she shows up at uh, WrestleMania nine and just beats the hell out of Sherry. Yeah, and like throws her around. Yeah, so that's that's yeah, that's pretty, that's a, actually a really good uh, comparison. I never really thought about that. Yeah, so we got a new King of the Ring. It's Triple H. He should have won this last year. Kind of, yeah, right? he was he was planned to win it, and uh, that was taken away from him uh, <laughs> via punishment. He was left holding the bag for the. Um, for the curtain call incident that we discussed previously. Um, so he's, you know, he's paid his dues. He's, you know, he's, he had to job out to warrior. He had to job out to uh, a bunch of people, but he's, you know, worked his way back into Vince's good graces and he's getting this push that he should have gotten a year ago. Yeah. Uh, but went to Austin the night yep. that uh, Austin 316 was born. So exactly. So now it's, it's finally time for Paul Levesque. Uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, yeah, Triple H, to get it going. Um, we get the main event. It's Shawn Michaels in Austin. Um, but before that, Bret Hart comes out, the Hart Foundation, and they challenge any five wrestlers who want a shot at them at Canadian Stampede, July sixth. Yep, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So. Uh, We'll have that match, I guess. If, Set the if, table. If any five Americans can step up to the plate. Yeah, yeah. And um, Brett also says he's going to do color commentary in this in this uh, promo, but ends up that ends up not happening because there's like some sort of some sort of tussle at ringside. So they end up getting sent back to the locker room before uh, Austin and uh, Michaels can make their way out. Yep. So Austin and Michaels are out. HBK and uh, Austin they're whipping each other. This is nice. Uh, this is a great match. Um, we get a similar spot to WrestleMania 14, which is kind of foreshadowing where Shawn Michaels goes for the Sweet Chin music, but it's caught by Austin into a stunner. Yeah. Um, but we have no referee. So uh, the referee is down. Um, Austin goes to lift um, that referee, and he gets a stunner on that referee. And then he turns around and gets the Sweet Chin music from Shawn. Then we have another another referee uh, Mike Yoda come down. That referee comes down and Sean hits Mike Yoda with a sweet chin music. So then we finally get the original ref who comes up and he covers for Sean. Um, and then refer- referee Earl Hevner and he throws the whole match out. And he claims it to referee abuse because they've been sweet chin music and stunnered. Yeah, and it's twenty three minutes, and it's it's a great match, but they neither guy can take a pinfall right now. Yeah, they they got to they got to keep the heat on both of them. So I mean, a, a lot of the fans who were definitely the ones in the building, and a lot of people watching, like the only negative reaction at the time to this match was the finish. Um, but yeah, if you go back and watch it, it's just this is this is the you know the match that they were both capable of this was like once you get to wrestlemania 14 sean is is just so messed up and his back is 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 just screwed at that point so the wrestlemania 14 match while it provides some good moments isn't you know 
isn't too great, but this is like if you want to see HBK and Austin before injuries sort of took their toll on their respective careers, they go at it for, you know, like you said, 20, 20 plus minutes, and it's just it's a technical masterpiece, I think. Yes, indeed. Um, all right, we're going to lead into this next part, the, the night after the King of the Ring. Um, I'm going to read from Bret Hart's book again. I'm going to take you back to June 2nd, and then we'll go straight from here to the King of the Ring and the night after. Okay. Um, At Raw in Huntington, West Virginia on June 2nd, I had an in-depth talk with Vince. He told me that the company was in financial peril and that he was only just hanging on. The next six months would either make him or break him. He said Ted Turner was hell-bent on putting him out of business, and he told me he might have no other choice but to restructure my contract. Of course, I'd still get every dime he owed me, but I'd get it on the back end, years down the road. He added that he appreciated how hard I had worked for him, and he told me not to worry about anything. I sure didn't want to receive the money owing to me now at the back end of my contract. So I did call my lawyer to see what the, my options were if Vince tried to do that kind of move. But when it came right down to it, I didn't believe that he ever would. Um, this is a lot of building right here. This is a lot of things. Um, you know, Ted Turner's hot on their ass. Yeah. Um, and Brett is a number one guy, but he's getting paid a lot. And... I don't know if Vince can necessarily afford that. This is where I think there's a work set in play because he knows he owes Brett that money and he wants to see it for him on the back end because Brett's given him 15 years. Right. And they respect each other. And I think they come up with this idea for this work, um, for this whole plan. Because we've heard the Canadian, uh, the the attempts to where he won't wrestle on American soil, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. Um, they're trying to find a way to get rid of Brett from the WWF, but still have his contract intact or break his contract and let him go to WCW and receive a lot of money. And they know that WCW will eventually... Um, be a sinking ship if they can perfect this next phase of their attitude era because they already have it set yeah i mean you already brand you, you brand yourself way ahead of the time or ahead of the curve and they've been using the term attitude for a while now they yeah. definitely bought the rights to wwf attitude or something by now you know yeah yeah um this is where we're getting into it um like <sighs> He definitely will see it on the back end because if he gets screwed over, he's going to be the hottest wrestler in the wrestling game on TV, and then they can make money off of it years down the road, and he can return later um, and have a rivalry, you know, with either Sean or Vince, if it goes accordingly. Right, right. Um, And we may see signs to that later on down the road. We may not. Continuing on, Brett's book. King of the Ring went down on June 8th, according to the new plan. Uh, so that's the new plan. You know, Sean and Austin. No yeah. uh, no Sean and Brett. 
So Brett saves his his wrestling in the United States for another time. Yeah. The next day, we were all supposed to be at Raw at Hartford. Sean was supposed. Sean was nowhere to be found. I happened to mention to Jim that as soon as I saw Sean, I was going straight to him once and for all. I never thought Jim the Anvil Neidhart could be a voice of reason, but he got a worried look on his face and pled with me. Please, I just got back here. Don't do anything now. God, Brett, I need this job. Just forget about it. What could I say? I resigned myself to not beating the shit out of Sean. So Jim the Anvil Neidhart, probably the first and only time uh, he served as the voice reason, and only to his own benefit. Don't screw this up for me. Please. (laughs) I need this. God, Brett, I need this job. (laughs) Hmm. About at 6 p.m., I went into the bathroom to gel my hair before going across the hall to tape interviews. I was surprised to see Sean's reflection go by me in the mirror. I could see he was uptight, so I smiled casually and said, Hey, Sean. He cut me off. Fuck you! You haven't talked to me in over a fucking month! What makes you think I'm going to talk to you now, Jack? I added the Jack. But... Yeah, it, was, it was probably there. Implied, if nothing else. Yes. Even though the hair gel was all over my hands, I primed. I was primed to go back to my original plan. But Sean vanished through the doorway, past Crush. Oh, Kona Crush. Yeah. Who was lacing his boots up, who heard the whole thing. I set out to find Sean, but he was gone. I paced around backstage and area until Owen, Davey, Jim, Pillman came out to find me. I know Sean's watching somewhere, waiting for me to leave this room, I said. I'll bet you the second I walk out here, he'll walk in. All his stuff's in here. Watch. I crossed the hall, walked into the interview room, cracked open the door to peek back into the hall. Sean strode past me into the dressing room. He was bent over fixing his boots when I marched straight up to him. I pushed him to his feet. You got something to say to me? He flicked a weak punch at me and missed. Balancing awkwardly on my good leg, I popped him one in the chin, rocking him in his heels. He came for me, so I grabbed him by his long mane and pretended I was doing a hammer throw at the Olympics. I was dragging him around the room when a hysterical Pat and frantic Lawler ran in and jumped on top of me. Can you imagine that? It's Pat Patterson and Jerry Lawler frantic. Oh, oh my God. Jeez, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, unable to pry me off, Pat shouted for another wrestler to help. But Davy and Crush had no intentions of shaving Sean. It was nothing but a but a strict but a scritch fight, really. Um, but when we were finally separated, clumps of Sean's precious hair fell from my hands. I blasted him. Don't fuck with me or my family, you little fucker. Sean took looked ready to burst into tears, and he stomped across the hall to Vince's office, shouted loud enough for everyone to hear, Sean's quit, saying that it was an unsafe working environment. Then he stormed off, slamming doors behind him. Vince looked like a jittered lover whose boy toy had up and left him, but he told me that he had not only been inevitable, but it was long overdue, and that it was his fault for not dealing with Sean sooner. He told me to take the night off, I felt silly to have to come to blows over something so stupid, but while everything in wrestling was supposed to be bullshit, that bullshit was everything to me. Before Raw was off the air, Vince was hyping the inside story on the backstage brawl between me and Sean for sale for fans on his 900 number. 
Wow. Yeah. And he had said, uh, basically, um, Brett and Sean had been um, taken out of the building for unprofessional conduct. Yeah. So. Yep. So this, um, what Brett says in the book matches up pretty closely to what was reported um, in the uh, June 16th Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Um, you know, it, it, with Brett starting it, I think Brett says he pushed him. Some people were saying he, he threw the punch first. Um, but, I mean, it was definitely initiated by Brett, pre, uh, precipitated by Michaels. Um, yep. And then, um, so as a result, so Sean, Sean goes crazy. He storms out. This, this happens, uh, according to this report, he left the building at 7.57 p.m. right before they're going on air. Yeah. Um, so the uh, the entire show um, has to be rewritten at this point. Um, and as a result of that, and then also Austin um, is banged up. He, he uh, tweaked his knee in a match uh, at a house show recently. So there was this big match that was supposed to happen between Pillman and Austin, like the big blow, not a blow off, but the first time they go one-on-one in the ring, um, you know, with their, their entire history going back to Pillman has a gun going back to the Hollywood blondes and the swirly last night at and King the, of the ring, the, the greatest defense is the, you know, forget about the home invasion and everything. You don't, you don't, uh, get the swirlies involved that's just that's a step too far um so yeah they have to they they move everything around it ends up being pillman versus mankind um Mm. but it just it leaves it it just leaves everything in disarray and every all their long-term booking plans are in question because as of now um we don't know if sean is serious about leaving or trying to leave um and, you know, there's reports going back to May, um, the month before, where he had sat down with Vince, with his dad, with Sean. It was Sean and his dad sat down with Vince and um, tried to get Vince to let him out of his contract so he could go to WCW. Yeah, in Sean's book, he, <laughs> he says he arranges the meeting, and then the first thing that Vince McMahon says before anybody else can get a word out of Edgewise, he looks at Sean Sean's dad and says your son I believe has a uh, pill prescription problem wow yeah <laughs> taking control of the fucking situation that's uh, he's man. working these talents these are the two top guys that he has man yeah. this is that's what I'm saying he it, it's not big enough world for the both of them and he's counting on either Sean or or Hart and I think he's aiming more towards Sean because he's younger but he's got this fucking addiction problem yeah yeah um and Sean, you know, he's like, fuck it. He, he's got some money, too. Yeah. You want to explain that? Yeah. So I, I actually just found out about this today. Apparently, um, in probably in 95, he, he was asked about this in, in 96, but uh, he had there was a wrestling fan uh, who apparently was was some sort of huge multimillionaire because uh, this fan who never met Shawn Michaels um, didn't you know know him at all you know personally he was just a big fan mm-hmm. um this guy passes away and leaves Shawn michaels in 1995 mind you 2.5 million dollars <laughs> and his will that's he, a lot of drug money he, 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 <laughs> he's snorting that shit up right, yeah it went straight up his nose for sure but yeah he leaves him that money to this man that he never met that he was just a huge fan of in his will and so sean has that and he's like 
you know, he's got, he's got that. I mean, who knows how much of that is, 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 uh, put away or, you know, I don't, I don't think that much because you got to look at it. This guy, um, within the next two years or with, from getting that money within the next two years, he kind of just, he's on a self-destructive path uh, because of that money too. And because of the job as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe he did put it away. Maybe he's smart. Yeah, I mean, he ended up being fine. Obviously, you know, years and years of main events. He, you know, he's he's set regardless. But it was just, it, it's just it's a crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, it was just a crazy thing to, you know. And he was asked about it in an interview before the 1996 Royal Rumble, and immediately gets defensive and pissed off and says to never bring it up. Which I, like, I don't blame him. It's it's a weird spot for him to be in. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I would do if I was, if I was, I'd accept it gladly, but, uh, I'd feel kind of awkward. You feel weird. Guess. Like, and there's not a lot that's known about this guy who left him the money. Like, so, you know, maybe he, maybe it was a situation where he didn't have any family. Um, but yeah, just nothing. I mean, just, just 2.5 million to, to old HBK. Yeah. If you, if you were going to leave, not to say that like you would, anybody would do this, but if you had to write one wrestler into your will. Who who would you write into your will? Oh man, <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah. Um, man, I guess one that kind of needs it. Yeah. Um, it's weird. It's yeah, just a weird. Know. It's Maybe a weird might, concept. I guess Brett, but uh, he doesn't need it. Yeah. But then I'd it, be like, eh. yeah. It's it's just such a weird thought I to wonder, you. I want to know about that fan. Yeah, I want to know this guy's life story. Like, it's it's, it's fascinating to me. But who, who would you uh, who would you donate your your money to? I don't will? know. Yeah, like obviously, I don't think it's something that either of us would ever actually do. If I if I was forced to write one wrestler into my will, yeah, like I, I would I'd probably think along the same lines of like somebody who like you know didn't you know never really made it and who needed the money. Um, I don't know. Maybe um, I don't even know. I'm trying to think of like I, I would leave. I would leave it to Delirious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would leave. I would. I would write Delirious into my will. Hopefully, okay. you, uh, Delirious uh, has some excellent legal representation. Uh, they all speak gibberish, so um, I think that would work out well. Nice. Um. It's just it's just strange. Yeah. Still. So anyway, so Sean's got some money, um, and but yeah, now after this fight, that this is you know throws everything everything up into the air. Yeah, and going back to what you said about the May thing, um, it, it's an argument about money in yeah. general. Um, Sean wants more money. Yeah. So maybe he is burning that money up on the back burner from '95. Yeah. It's '97 now, so yeah. we don't know. Maybe he did buy a house or something but uh yeah and i think a lot of it is you know wanting to make as much or more as brett and be the top guy because he gives his body he gives it all (laughs) um brett says continue on he says jack lanza told me that vince had known uh a real physical confrontation was coming before i did see vince knew all this shit was happening because sean had told him he was going to punch me as far back as may at the evansville raw but if I couldn't tell if Jack was trying to stir me up, I tried to put all this out of my mind, including Vince's talk. To, he wanted to renege on the financial terms of the contract. 
Um, but uh, I did my best to heal up before the July in your house, which was going to be in Calgary. I had two good distractions. Paul J. and his High Road production crew arrived and began shooting the documentary on me. Hmm. Yeah. They're shooting a documentary, which we will know to be called Wrestling with Shadows. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's great. We're going to review that later on down the road. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just an uh, incredible look inside everything that's, you know, about to happen. And uh, the Calgary Flames, they wanted to buy the Hitman. Um, any new hockey organization, such as the Flames, were best suited to manage the team, and he agreed to sell it. So Sean's, or I mean, Brett's getting some money on the back end, too. Yeah. Onward with this episode of Raw 213, uh, June 9th, 1997. Um, this is the infamous fight where it had happened earlier in the night, so we had dinner rewrite it and um sean says the unsafe work environment and he could go to to wcw with his friends because you know he's got kevin nash and scott hall and they're yep. they're they're tearing it up and six pack too yep. and uh you know they're tearing it up making some time um but <sighs> he leaves and this is the second time in four months that he's left the company and the tag team belts are vacant for the third time in three years. Yeah. So they're, they're shit now again. <laughs> um, Austin in the ring with Vince McMahon. And McMahon says that Austin did last night to Pillman, giving him a swirly at the King of the Ring was dastardly. And Austin says he's proud of what he did and he wishes there was other stuff in the toilet bowl. Can't wait to beat, beat him up at home later. And uh, give him the, stoner, the stunner and the one, two, three. And carry his carcass across the locker room. Finish the job. Uh, Vince says that there's an open challenge by Bret Hart made last night. Five guys to take on the Hart Foundation Calgary Stampede. Austin says he'll be the first one in line and doesn't need any other wrestlers to accept the challenge. And he'll beat the whole Hart family up. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. And then we get the interview with uh, Mankind and Mick Foley, and they're continuing on, and they show some clips from ECW, actual clips from ECW. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so more working agreement there. Then the next match, like you said, was supposed to be Steve Austin and uh, Brian Pillman, but uh, the Hart Foundation come out and they jump from behind. He's hurt so bad that he can't go on with the match, but like you said, he's got a dinged up knee, and uh, the Mankind comes out. And it's going to be Mankind and Brian Pillman. And during that match, Brian Pillman and Mankind, they go back and forth. And a double-arm DDT. And he's got the mandible claw. And then the hard foundation for the DQ. And it's five minutes. And Stone Cold is hobbling down the ramp. And he's followed by Ken Shamrock. And they clean house on the heels. And Austin doesn't want any help. So he drops Shamrock for the stunner. And he flips off Shamrock and Mankind. That's the end of the show. And... During the match, uh, Vince mentions that Bret Hart and Sean were um, taken out of the building for unprofessional conduct. So that's continuing there. Um, on with the next episode. June 16th, 1997, episode 214 of Raw. Um, the first bit of the show is Vince clearing up that Shawn Michaels is leaving the WWF, but he'll be back in four to six weeks. And Bret Hart's knee is still sore, and he'll be back as soon as they, as soon as he can. Uh, and they're gonna they're gonna have a tag team tournament, 
and it's going to be stone cold and he gets to choose a partner of his of any choice and uh they're going to go against the winners of this tag team tournament um and stone cold is pissed and he comes out and mankind wants to be his partner and he says he doesn't want that partner and (laughs) and bret hart and pillman and everybody's gonna have hell to pay and back back from a commercial and brian pillman is backstage in the interview and he's reminding him that he got a swirly at king of the ring and he tells vince that even though the Hart foundation will be handcuffed to the ring post that he's a convicted felon and shamrock has nothing to worry about because stone cold is going down the toilet and he's basically gonna kill him uh then we get Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, um, Anvil out and Davy Boy, and they're handcuffed to separate ring post. And Austin um, gives them chair sh- shots, and they're 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 stiff. Um, then Owen has a key, and Nightheart and them, and they uh, Nightheart. And the rest of the Heart Foundation attack Austin for the DQ in this match. And Goldust comes down for the save. Ken Shamrock and Mankind. And they help uh, Austin fight off um, fight off the Heart Foundation. And the Legion of Dune come down as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, Goldust has that offbeat feud with Pillman. Because yeah. of the Marlena stuff. So that's why he's coming down. Yeah, but, it's uh, starting to get weird. Um and this is yeah, this is they had had that beef, but this is the first time the first time um, he's sort of going and and joining this coalition of baby faces against um, against the Hard uh, Foundation because originally I think the plan was to have Sid mm-hmm. um, in Goldust place uh, for the uh, for the big tag at Stampede. Um, Sid has a car accident um, earlier in the month, and uh, he walks out of it uh, like seemingly unscathed, but then his back is messed up and. Um, I think there's some other issues going on. So Goldust is is now firmly in, in uh on Team America, as right. it were. Yeah. And so Austin and Shamrock and uh all them sit, get on the mic and say that they're gonna join forces to go against the Heart Foundation at Canadian Stampede. So your match is set. Yeah. Um then we get the next week, episode two fifteen of Raw. June 23rd, 1997. This is like a nothing type build. Um, yeah. This is a this is an interesting match. It's it's Owen against Goldust and Hunter Hearst Helmsley in a triple threat match. Yeah. So this is of, they just started to work these in um you know, only very recently because you never used to see any sort of triple threat or uh, fatal four way. I mean, obviously, we, uh, earlier in the year we have the big fatal four way and in your house. Um, so this is still sort of a new thing um, in, in WWE. Yeah. WWF. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, a nothing episode. Brett is on the commentary talking about he and Neidhart are the, um, the best tag team and, you know, Legion of Doom aren't anything. Yeah. Uh, so that would have been interesting. They they never did face each other back in the day because they were both faces at the time, right? That's right. Yeah, and I think I want to say by the time LOD, 
I think there was there's a little bit of overlap when the Hart Foundation was still a team after uh, LOD showed up, but um, yeah, like you said, they they were both baby faces, so they never really went. Yeah, because they head helped. They helped Hart Foundation win the tag titles against uh, Demolition. That's to right. Fuel, fuel that little feud. That's but, right. Um, they never uh, did face each other. That's sort of a tag dream match there. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um. All right, on Brett Shit Talks, the, the people, and we have Thomas Hearns, the yeah, Hitman the, Hearns. The other Hitman. Yeah, he's in the audience. And Brett says he's the chicken man, and the crowd goes wild to that, the chicken man. You're just a little chicken. Cheap, 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 cheap. Yeah. And uh, they go nose to nose, and... The agents separate them. They start pushing back and forth. And Jr. says, "This is going to be a Sports Center highlight for Monday Night Raw." Eh, no, no, I don't know if it ever was. No, I don't. Th- I don't think so. Uh, Hearns was not the biggest name. Uh, I had never heard of him uh, before. But uh, and and I think it was his only appearance on on uh, on uh, WWF. This wasn't like a uh, Ken Shamrock situation where he would eventually come in. Yeah, um, just sort of a one-off. You know, something yeah. they thought would pop the ratings or get them attention, but didn't. Yeah, it's always the thing of bringing a, another sports celebrity in to hype the uh, the entertainment value or the crowd or the, you know, the home team um, people there. Yeah. Somebody relative to that area. Yes. Yeah. A local celebrity or someone who's advertising a movie. You know, they, they always yeah. do that. Yeah. I mean, they've. They went through a stretch, um, you know, where they were doing the the guest host of Raw every week, and that was awful. But yeah, they, they've oh. they've they've always been, um, you know, pretty, you know, always always looking for that that Sports Center moment. Even to you know this this summer when they brought you know, uh, what was it L- Lamar Ball? Yeah, and uh, the all those his sons and you know that whole segment. So they're always trying to I get mean, that. Shaquille O'Neal has been involved. Shaquille O'Neal is actually yeah. I mean we've we'll, you know we'll we'll probably never get that Shaq versus that Big Show dream match. Yeah, but at least he showed up for a battle royal and that was cool. Um, next week is the Go Home Show. It's t- episode two sixteen, June thirtieth, nineteen ninety seven. This is the go-home show for the Canadian Stampede. Um, But it's another run-in DQ night. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. Um, Main event, Steve Austin against Jim Neidhart. And the rest of the Hart Foundation are watching backstage, and Brett is not supposed to be there. Match is boring as hell, and they go to commercial. And then they come back, and then they go to another commercial. And then they come back, and Bret Hart shows up, and he's really there. And uh, he attacks Shamrock, who was watching backstage. And then Austin starts to uh, get the chain lock, and he breaks out of the chain lock and stomps a mud hole in Neidhart. And Bret Hart runs down for the DQ. Eight minutes. And Bret locks the ring post figure four on Austin, and Mankind comes down, and he gives Bret Hart the mandible claw. And... Man, Hart's been, or Mankind has been wearing the uh, Pick Me Steve. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, he's 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 cording strong to uh, to be on this tag team with Austin, and it's it's great. We get to see a little bit like the first uh, sort of um, you know the first time he's gotten to showcase his humor as a character, which right. we would obviously see much more of. And he's in that similar original character, but yeah, he, he's lovable. Yeah, this is you know before Rock and Sock, this was uh, Mankind being uh, an unrequited tag team partner. Yeah, and it's 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 pretty great. Uh, Harp Foundation come down and we get a schmaz ending and that's the end of the night and we're leading into In Your House Canadian Stampede yes Whew. July 6th 1997 this is a great one yeah um, it's a stampede of a show for sure I mean stampede wrestling a lot of these guys that are in the main event came from there um, of course it's a it's a great it's it's a great happening. Um and it's just so crazy that you know Brett is coming up on this um amazing heel run you know that he hadn't had before. Yeah. And the timing worked out perfectly for Canadian Stampede for them to do a big match. Yeah. To where they could all be featured in the main event and they could all um it's a different dynamic here too because they're basically faces here. They they're entirely faces, um, and it's it's one of the coolest things, you know, that in my opinion, in terms of any sort of like uh, character development or, or storyline, to have uh, the Hart Foundation and Brett, um, you know, be the top heels in the United States. But as soon as you cross over that border to Canada. Um, you know, he's, you know, they're, they're, they're over like, you know, the, like the, the way that the, the, the crowd reaction is and the, and the pop that they get is, is just like, it's almost on like a Hogan level in the eighties. Like they're that over, um, and to like work that to, you know, those sort of dynamics, um, and just be able to flip the switch as soon as you're into Canada. It's one of the coolest things about this whole, uh, this whole summer. Definitely agree. Um, this is one of the greatest um, in your house pay-per-views, the WWF pay-per-views, I think, of all time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Meltzer called it one of WWF's greatest shows ever, greatest shows ever, and I, you know, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, it's, it's four matches, but you know, it, they, um, you know, it, it, they get progressively better, and it, it's just. Uh, I don't know. It's start to finish. It's just a good like quality. It's it's almost like one of the, like um, like one of the early takeover shows mm-hmm. uh, from NXT in terms of just like that you know that build and the match quality and it's um, it's just a hell of an event. Uh, before before the event on July third, Brett says in uh, his book, Sean agreed to come back. It's not like he had any choice. Vince had threatened to stop his $15,000 a week paychecks. I had hoped the little bastard would finally straighten up, but I was thrown for a loop when Vince told me that that Sean was going to guest referee my SummerSlam match with Taker at the Meadowlands on August 3rd. Sean would turn heel on Taker, costing him the belt. Though I'd finally gotten another stint as champion, a sour feeling ran through me. As heels, we'd be in direct competition with each other again. Yeah. So again, 
uh, Sean is sees Austin as this badass. He starts cussing too. He starts wearing his bandana. Yeah. He starts coming down, talking <laughs> this and that, breaking character. Um, then Bret Hart's a bad guy. He wants to be the bad guy too. Like Austin is the bad guy too. You know? Yeah. He's doing whatever he can to make sure that he is like the the center focus of of whatever is going on. Um, and it puts Brett in a tough spot. He, you know, he alludes to it in the book and, um, you know, he said, talks about it in wrestling with shadows too. You know, he's, he struggled. I mean, I think they allude to him struggling with the decision to turn heel. I think he wanted to do it. Um, but you know, he finally you know, agrees to the heel turn. He's going full steam ahead with it. It's going great. Um, and now he's the top bad guy. And now Sean's going to turn, you know, into turn, turn heel. And like you said, they're, Indirect competition. Like I said, Sean is that guy at the party. That's the douche. Yeah. He's just... Through and through. Ah, man. Yeah, and and, and also speaks, I think, to Vince, um, you know, pulling the strings. And and I think you can see the writing on the wall that that one of them is going to have to be gone. Um, And if he he puts them in this this position, that's just going to lead to the eventual explosion that's going to, you know rid him of one of them, you know, mm-hmm. obviously aiming for it to be Brett. Yep. And I think, um, yeah, Brett, Brett's already had this tussle with going to WCW. So he's more comfortable in leaving anyhow, and he'd get paid off and, yeah. and he can know like deep down, at least he gave it a shot. Right. You know, and Sean just needs like an anchor, like someone to counter his, deviance and kind of be the uh straight head for him uh and maybe he'll find somebody like that in the next couple of months maybe he'll be in wcw yeah. but uh yeah so this is a great event like we said in your house canadian stampede um hunter Hearst helmsley in china they get their follow-up match from king of the ring and it's 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 nice. It, pull up pile driver one two no uh, mandible claw. There's no way to get a s- submission. Um, China saves Triple H and crotches him uh, mankind on the ring post and back to the floor. And then we get them schmozzing into the crowd and double count out. And uh, they're gonna fight all throughout this night. They're gonna re go back and forth. That's right. Yeah, yeah. This is leading to a uh, a cage match at SummerSlam. Um, that's going to be the big blow off and and probably the best match that they'll have to that point. But um, agree. Another another solid outing from them though for this one. Yep. Then we get this great Sasuke versus Taka Michinoku. Yeah. Uh, and these guys were brought over by Michinoku Pro. Um, great Sasuke was more or less a part of the package deal. He wanted to come over. He like forced his way into this and he said he had to come over or he had to go over Taka basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was the only way to get Taka involved. Um, yeah. Which is what they're, you know, cause eventually they're, they're looking to put the, or have they already put the, the light? Heavy, yeah. They're eventually looking to put the light heavyweight title on him. They're, um, they're building this light heavyweight division. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, one of one of the greats in the history of Japanese wrestling, um, and to have, 
him and Taka go at it um, on pay per view, and they they turn in a in, in a hell of a match. You know, yeah. there's not not any constraints or anything in terms of you know, working the WWF style in this. Like they they just let him go, and it's it's a good show. Dude, the end is uh, Taka hitting a belly to belly suplex for a two springboard drop kick, setting up for the Minchinoku driver one two. No, then Taka um, is off the top. But Sasuke drop kicks him, and then we get an Asai moonsault, and then we get a thunder fire power bomb leading into a tiger suplex, and and ten minutes. This yeah. is an intense match. Yeah, and for the win, Sasuke, like we said, um, this is awesome. This is also their counter for um, like the Ultimo Dragon, yeah, versus Team Malenko or Ultimo Dragon versus. Um, Ray Mysterio, or Rey yeah, Mysterio the, that whole cruiserweight division yeah. that, that they have that has been, you know, the the saving grace of WCW's undercard for you know a couple of years now. This is them trying to um, throw their hat into that ring. Yeah, and um, it, it's it's nice. It's a little different for WWE. Although I yeah. don't ever really like their cruiserweight or lightweight division. They don't ever just let it be. Like they, it's always over. Like. I don't know. You can just tell it's like them forcing that. Yeah, they always try to do it their way, um, to their own detriment at yeah. certain points. Where I, I guess, in carny aspects, you know how like they or back, you know, back wrestling promotions, they would always have like a midget match or something. That's the way I feel WWF showcases it. It's like a think, special attraction yeah, midget like, match. Yeah, like. Uh, one of my main, like, I love 205 Live. I love what, you know, for, for the most part, what they've done with the Cruiserweight division now. Um, but, like, I've never liked the, the purple ropes and the changing of everything. It makes it, um, you know, they wanted to make it feel more special. I don't think it makes it make, it, I, it doesn't feel more special to me. It feels, like you said, like, all right, this is, you know, this isn't the actual show. This right. is just, uh, you know. It's like for the women's match, they don't even switch up anything. Yeah. Uh, it's just part of the action now. And they never did before. I don't understand why guys who just weigh less than 220 or 205, yeah. um, they get this special, I don't know. It just, it, yeah, they, it they makes don't it, need it. It makes it feel like they're not in the same class. Yeah. You know? Um. um so that's their answer there. Um, going on, Mankind and, and Triple H are still fighting. Uh, then we get the world, the WWF World Championship match. This is Undertaker against Vader with Paul Bearer. And um, Paul Bearer, you know, talked about the family secrets. Um, this, is a, this is an okay match. I mean, it's all right for a big brawling hoss fight. Yeah, yeah, it's um, definitely, I think it's a better match than what we would have gotten, which was they were gearing up for Ahmed Johnson versus mm-hmm. The Undertaker, which, I mean, I don't know. Who, know, who knows? Ahmed was never in a main event title type spot like that before. Maybe he would have turned it on for it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we were gearing up towards that, and then Ahmed unfortunately blows his knee out. Yeah. Uh, Explain what was going to happen. Do you, do you remember what was going to happen with Ahmed and Undertaker? Not 100%. You might have to so remind So Ahmed me. was yeah. going to join the nation and go heal. Okay, yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, what? Like... Yeah, after feuding with the nation for 
months and months. Yeah. Yeah. And the Nation of Domination is formed. Uh, this is also a background element right now that'll take a, a foreground. Uh, more as we cover in the weeks, we're going to go into depth. So do uh, you want to explain what the Nation of Domination was? Yeah, the Nation of Domination, Domination is um, sort of a, a group of uh, – Primarily African American wrestlers uh, who are taking on what? What was the the, the movement? Well, right now it, it well yeah it's the um, Nation of Islam. Yeah, the Nation of yeah. Islam. Uh, they're going to get some other members as they uh, go along. I know D'Lo has made his uh, his appearance as well. Yeah. Um, then they'll get Kama, and we'll get some other members, but they're they're. They're playing a role against The Undertaker and some other people as far as Owen and Davey. Um, yeah, D'Lo was in that that match. Yeah. And Kama was out there, so they're there now. Um, just clicked in my head, I remembered watching it. Um, yeah, so so they're, they're, they're background players, but they would have had Ahmed Johnson join them and then take on The Undertaker, which... Uh, I don't see it. Could you ever see Ahmed as a heel? Yeah, I, I mean, maybe could, if you change his name to like Big T or something. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it's just weird to have you know them have this intense feud. You know, you go you look back to WrestleMania 13. You know, the Chicago Street fight with Ahmed and Legion of Doom against uh, the Nation and all. Of, Going all the way back to Farouk, uh, you know, taking Ahmed out right after he debuted. Um, mm -hmm. There's been this beef, and to have uh, Ahmed just turn around and join the nation, it's it. Yeah, it felt weird. Definitely felt weird. Yeah, not right. Um, but yeah, Crush and Savio Vega are kind of uh, they're 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 fighting each other too. You know, um, so this would have been. This would have been interesting. Ahmed taking the lead, and um, I, don't, I couldn't have talked. It would have been Farouk doing the talking, I, I assume. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this match is the Undertaker Invader in that place, and it's 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 not that great of a match, but it, there's some there's some big blows back and forth that yeah. I will say that are pretty epic. Yeah, um, yeah, great striking on on both of um, you know two two of the better strikers in the history of the game. Yep, um, Taker does end up hitting the tombstone on Vader, and he he pins him for the win. Twelve impre minutes, impressive. Yeah, and this is nice. This is ending their uh, this is ending their little cap that they had. You know, their little feud before. Yeah. Um, and Vader is no longer going to be in the main event picture, unfortunately, I guess. Yeah, you know, it uh, goes, goes back to, you know, his program with Sean sort of getting shut down, um, you know, through no fault of his own, except, you know, he's, you know, Sean didn't want to work with him because he worked stiff. And so once that happens, you know, he's he had some good matches here and there. But, yeah, this is his last sort of uh, um, look at a title match or anything like that in WWF. Yep. All right, the main event, it's the Hart Foundation against Stone Cold Steve Austin, Ken Shamrock, Gold Dust, and the Legion of Doom. Um, man. 
just bell to bell, um, just nonstop action. Uh, and, and, and the crowd dynamics are, are interesting. And, and so is the fact that, you know, the Hart Foundation are, you know, it's not just the crowd reacting to them because they're from Canada. They're actually like, they're working as baby faces in this match. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for Austin, especially. And, and the other team, they're working heel. Austin does a great job, um, you know, and, and, a, and a straight up heel performance um, as he's, you know, gaining more and more momentum as a baby face. This might be the last time up until, you know, the big turn at WrestleMania 17 where he is working 100% heel. Yep. Um, and he shines in that. Um, but yeah, you used to have 10 guys in there and it's, it's just a, just a classic, classic matchup. I'm going to go through Bret Hart's book right here on July 6th, the day of the Calgary show, I headed down to the saddle dome early with Julie and the kids and their friends, the high road crew, uh, following us, Austin and taker insisted that they not be filmed out of character. And I only had Paul J's word that I could ask him to edit anything out that I felt could hurt the business in any way. Again, I state, Bret Hart tells Paul J to edit anything out that'll hurt the business in any way. That's big. Because yeah. there's a lot of stuff left in there. Yeah. For what purpose? All right, Paul's crew was so good at what they did that most of the time I forgot they were even there. I went over everything with Pat Patterson, putting the storyline and all the spots together. He wanted to involve my parents, Bruce and the rest of the Hart clan, who would be seated down in the front, right behind the rail. Owen would appear to be hurt and would be taken out of the match, only to return as a big hero and catch the fall on Steve after he had an altercation with Stu and some of the Hart brothers. This would be a huge night for Owen, setting up a big match between him and Austin at SummerSlam. My anti-American rants had had been going down big time with the Canadian fans. The Calgary crowd had shed its unusual polite shyness and was ready to explode. Canadian flags waved everywhere. Owen, Davey, Jim, and Pillman were pumped up and chopping at the bit. Brian reminded me of a happy jackal who'd befriended a pride of lions. We did this live promo from the dressing room that played on the big screen in the arena, and the crowd's response was so loud the brick walls shook. Leo and I had worked hard at polishing up Shamrock, who was really coming along now and pacing the dressing room anxiously. Goldust had a hot feud going with Pillman, and Legion of Doom couldn't have been more pumped. Hawk came to me knowing that it was me and the taker who'd got the LOD hired back. He awkwardly fumbled for the words to tell me that this time he'd given us everything he had, adding, This match is for your dad. Uh, Besides Stu and Helen in the front row was Alberta's uh, premier Ralph Klein. Um, <clears throat> I was worn out. My knee hadn't been healed enough to wrestle safely, and I knew it. My doctor warned me that I needed to at least three month, three more months. But I had been there for Vince. Not to mention that I had waited my entire life for this night, wrestling at the top of my game, in a really hot angle in front of the fans who had been there for me from the very beginning. I was home, and this was real. I'm going to skip to the end. Stone Cold jumped out and put the boots to Owen in front of Stu and Bruce. When he rolled Owen back into the ring, Bruce threw a drink at Stone Cold's back. 
Austin turned around and jerked Stu off by his feet and his lapels. The Hart brothers swarmed Stone Cold just in time. 19,000 screaming fans were about to do the same thing. Bruce was so mad about the couple off stiff shots Austin gave him that he, that when I arrived to tip, uh, that when I arrived to tip the balance and roll Stone Cold back into the ring, Bruce slammed a fist hard as he could into Stone Cold's kidneys. Austin managed to pull himself up, only to be schoolboyed from behind from Owen. Bruce erupted like a tornado on the floor, taking on every heel in sight. When the referee made an important three count, nobody was paying attention to Owen because everybody was riveted to Bruce's unscripted comeback. Owen was furious at Bruce for stealing his big pop. Do you remember that ending being kind of weird? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, obviously the uh, the the real life, you know, sort of, you know, uh, you know, the real life repercussions of it, you know, with Bruce, you know doing a really shitty thing right to his brother um that went over my head it did strike me as weird that that this you know this guy was so heavily involved i knew obviously they alluded to him being uh, a brother um of uh brett and owen um but yeah it just struck me as weird that he would uh you know kind of do that um and did and looking at it now for him to go into business for himself uh when this is such a big moment for owen is pretty uh pretty shitty for lack of a better word. So this goes down. This is huge. Um, the Hart family in the ring afterwards. And everybody's celebrating. Yeah, and the, and the crowd's losing it. Um, in, in reading through the uh, through uh, Uncle Dave's newsletter, um, he compares it to... Um, he compares the, the, the crowd reaction and, and the celebration and the feeling in the building to... Um, when Kerry Von Erich beat Ric Flair uh, in 1984, shortly after David Von Erich had passed away and beat, wow. beat Flair for the title in Texas Stadium, no less. So, I mean, that's sort of like hometown baby phase. You A know. lot of emotion. Yeah, yeah. And just clean win, you know, no sort of schmas or anything like that. Um, just the good guys, you know, going out on top. And this family that had been you know, the family as far as wrestling in Calgary for, you know, decades at this point, um, you know, getting to have that moment in the sun and celebrate, it's just, uh, the crowd was eating it up and it's one of the, one of the, you know, greatest moments in, uh, Bret Hart's career. Yeah. And then a great moment for Austin's career. Um, he comes back. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he comes back and starts trouble with them again. And uh, gets separated, and security and everything comes down. And they actually have to handcuff Austin and escort him out of the building and arena and up the ramp. And he is flicking off all the fans with his middle fingers uh, behind his back, handcuffed. Yeah, this classic. Is, this is this is classic B-roll for his character. But uh, this is the first time he's like really giving it to the fans. Yeah. Uh, he playing up this heel, a uh, great, perfect, and they're they're eating it up too. Absolutely. Um, so that is Canadian Stampede, a great pay per view. Yeah, just solid two hours of wrestling. Definitely check it out. Five matches, they breeze on by. Yeah, yeah. This last one is forty something minutes long, but it's uh, it's incredible. Yeah, it tells a story, and um, yeah, just. Everybody, you know, like 
to to you know what you what you read from Brett's book. I mean, everybody was giving it their all. Um, everybody was fully invested in it, and it's just um, yeah, one of my one of my favorite matches, you know, of all time. Agreed. Jimmy, do you have any old wrestling shirts? You know, I, when I was a young man, I uh, had a bunch of uh, very terrifically 90s wrestling t-shirts. I had one uh, cane shirt that was long sleeves and it was particularly uh, just terrible. Uh, but sometimes I wish I could find some of those old ones, you know? So do I. I had the Kevin Nash. He had the backwards Tupac bandana. That was too sweet. But I do know this awesome place. It's called the thesavagestash.com. It's your wheeler and dealer for the best vintage wrestling shirts, merch, and everything in between. The absolute cream of the crop! Yeah! The Savage Stash. The Savage Stash. SavageStash.com. Newest thing I got was the fanny pack, man. It's awesome. It's neon orange, and then there's a neon green one. What more can you ask for? It's got the logo that says the Savage Stash. Put all your good stash elements in there. Yeah, everybody's everybody's holding on to one of these. I've seen pictures with Okada mm. holding a Savage Stash fanny pack. Kenny Omega, possibly? Yes. Wow. Oh my goodness. So good. Do yourself a favor. Buy the fanny pack. Yes. Go on there. TheSavageStash.com. It's the cream of the crop. Yeah. Dig in. Hey, Jimmy, you want to tell everybody about where we work on the side? Absolutely. Uh, DCW, District City Wrestling. And, Jimmy, you're a commentator announcer there? Yeah, I could I could call myself the voice of DCW if I was really feeling good about myself. There you go. I like it. I like and, it. Uh, you're, you, you, you've, got a, you've got a hand in it as well. Yes, I do. I do some production media there, and I also wrestle... Um, yeah, but check us out. You can find us on Facebook at District City Wrestling, or you can find us on Instagram at, at @officialdcw or Twitter at @officialdcw. Check us out. Let us know what you think. Hey guys, uh, if you're uh, into uh, reading about pro wrestling and uh, fans' perspective and fans' journey, uh, check out my buddy Dan Zine. It's called Hot Tag. Uh, and he gets into his journey as a fan, um, as well as bringing in some of his friends. I uh, wrote a piece for the uh, third issue. Um, so he has that. Uh, check it out. It's at hottag.bigcartel.com. Uh, it's good stuff. Get into it. Next night, Raw, it's episode 217, July 7th, 1997. We're going to start it off. The opening of Raw. Last night in your house, Canadian Stampede, we witnessed a stunning display online. Front page news in, um, in Calgary as well as Edmonton. The best there was, the best there ever will be. If he observes to speak what's on his mind, and the fans down there just don't like it. Critical because they're the ones that are into freedom of speech. He's telling the truth about Americans. After months of bashing WWE fans on American soil, the Hot Foundation reached out to the 
returned to Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and received a hero's welcome. A raucous, partisan crowd applauded their every move, lauding their heroics, cheering these vicious and aggressive acts. And when it was over, when the entire Hart family proudly poured into the ring to bask in the celebration, the boisterous crowd rose to their feet, berating the five Americans who lost a double fight, fantastic, and enraged Stone Cold Steve Austin as he was led from the ring. <laughs> They're pixelating the fingers. Nice little intro there. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's it, it, it's such a, an interesting um, thing. I think um, in uh, reading, uh, I got a quote. I got a Uncle Dave quote, and talking about just how weird it was to have the entire baby face heel dynamic flipped um, in sort of the aftermath of that going back to America. Not this episode at all is in Edmonton, right? Yes, indeed. Okay, yeah. So, but you know, going forward, moving towards SummerSlam. Uh, he said that the WWF is the WWF trying to make sense of the aftermath and move things back to as they were is going to be intriguing. It's almost like you had this dream that you saw one of the best wrestling pay-per-view shows ever, but then you wake up the next morning and it's almost like it never happened. Yeah. Um, in a way, uh, you're right. It's like a isolated event that yeah. and the, the later coming up is a flag match. Yeah. They're just like these isolated events that, yeah, I, I I almost damn near forgot the flag match. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's just crazy. Um, uh, this is all slowly but surely building. When you look at the, if you go on the WWE Network and you go to the Raw replays for 1997, you can just see from December all the way back to January because they haven't been reversed. They have December at the top and then January at the very bottom. You can just see the evolution of the show changing. You'll see uh, the DX formation and everything, uh, the Stone Cold character forming. These, yeah, uh, just look at just look at the snapshot in the preview, and you can just see the you know everything was changing so rapidly in this time. I mean, you look at the difference between. Um, WWF in 1997 and WWF in 92 and it's just it's night and day and you compare that to maybe uh WWF now versus WWF first in 2012 it doesn't feel like that much has changed right you know? no yeah, yeah not not that much at all yeah. they've they've stuck to this formula for a long time now yeah these are the building blocks for that formula yeah. if even if you look back from 1997 compared to 1996 there's a big change. But if you look back at WCW 1996 on their recaps of Nitro, it's almost the same evolution of 1997 for Raw. Yeah. They're about a a year behind. But yeah, Vince McMahon is very strategic in his business, and this is his baby. So he's taking calculated choices uh, and measures um, to do this the right way, this attitude. Yeah, and he's doing yeah, like you said, doing it the right way, and and the end end goal is the same as the shedding of the uh, you know cartoonish acts, um, aspects of pro wrestling and getting into this re, you know this more uh, you know edgy content. But um, you know WCW kind of jumps the sharks in certain aspects. Vince, being in this business for most of his life, um, is going to do this the right way. Exactly. Um, he just doesn't. Yeah. 
they're marketing it as a show for ratings. He sees it as a whole brand, this whole thing. You know, he, he yeah. this is, like I said, these his toys. Yeah. It's not going to ruin his damn toy. That's right. Until <laughs> he's done with them. Yep. Um, starting out this episode of Raw, Brett is out with Vince. And he's got a SummerSlam match set with Undertaker. And that's announced for the crowd. And he goes to the line, you know, I've been told, uh, America, love it or leave it. And I've loved leaving it. <laughs> so he gets a good reaction there. And he's not necessarily anti-American. He's more pro-Canadian. Yeah. And Americans think that they're better. So he's still taking jabs, but he's saying he's not necessarily anti-American. Yeah. Um, but then he makes a promise that he will not let Canadian fans down and he'll have his fifth reign. And if he doesn't become, uh, the champion and if he doesn't win and he doesn't bring that belt back to Canada because they know they're, they're going back to Canada. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Survivor series, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So this is set. Uh, this is a thing. He's, they've got this in their mind that, you know, if Brett loses, he'll go away or something. There's something in there. Um, he won't ever wrestle on American soil ever, ever again. And then he calls out his lovable brother, Owen. <laughs> and Owen's going to face Austin at SummerSlam. And Bulldog calls, and he calls out Bulldog. And Bulldog's going to defend his European title against Ken Shamrock. So we got the Intercontinental Champion being defended against um, Austin yep. from Owen. And then we got uh, Davey Boy doing his part with the European Championship. And then Brett is going up for the title. Yeah. So they got a lot of gold coming up, maybe, possibly. Um, then they say, let's do the Canadian Anthem. So the Canadian Anthem is playing and everybody's enjoying it. And Austin just sneak attacks with a chair. And Vince is like, how indignant. <laughs> um, yeah, this is awesome. Gets yeah. a lot of heat for that. Oh, yeah. Later on backstage, Austin talks with Vince about mankind being his partner. And he's like, I don't need a partner. I don't like you. I don't like your damn bushy hair. You know, ears. Like, just <laughs> really getting on him. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the tag team finals. This is um, what I brought up earlier. Um Owen Hart and British Bulldog against D'Lo and Farouk. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's Owen um, on fire in this match, man. He is still coming off that hot night from before. Yeah. He is great in this match. Still in front of the Canadian fans and just soaking it up. If anything, this is um, this is a match to see just because of the intensity of Owen just coming off this night. Yeah. It's not the greatest match ever at all. Yeah. Um, shenanigans are happening outside with Kama and Pillman and Neidhart and everybody. Um, and Vince says, all hell is breaking loose. I don't know if Vince has ever said something like that before. Yeah. But we're getting more shades of that. Um, British Bulldog and Owen win via countout because Owen runs in at the last moment. Uh, nine, ten, boom, Owen in. Yeah. And then we get Mankind coming out. Saying, you know, he's going to be Austin's partner, yada, yada, saying, you know, Owen and Bulldog don't have a chance. Yeah. Uh, then this is a interesting matchup. We have Triple H against Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's actually a good match. Um, 
Oh, Austin is still getting some cheers in the crowd too, though. Interesting. Uh, Even in Canada. Yeah. yeah. It don't like, I guess cause they hate triple H though. Yeah. Yeah. I could see him getting, getting more, more heel heat than Austin. Yeah. And uh, he's really getting the heat here. Like, I mean, triple H is a dastardly heel at this point. I hated him. Oh, I me really too. Did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Took me a lot to break that Triple H um, not liking him old, and then I started to not like him again after I found out more about him. And yeah. stuff. So, <laughs> damn. Um, anyhow, in the match, trying to trip Stone Cold, uh, and then we get Triple H with the chair, and he hits Mankind, because Mankind gets on the apron to distract Triple H while he has the chair. And from behind, Austin with the stunner, one, two, three. Stone Cold goes over Triple H, the yeah. guy who just won the King of the Ring, uh, loses to last year's King of the Ring guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Battle of the previous two King of the Ring winners and uh, Mankind sort of sacrificing himself to, um, you know, not only uh, see Triple H lose the match, and um, but also uh, help out his uh, presumptive tag partner. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after that's done, Austin insults mankind. Are you stupid son When the going gets tough, you will, you know, you get it up. up. So uh, he says, shake, shake my hand and we'll be a tag team partner. And the shake hands hug. And then he turns mankind around and gives him a stunner. And JR mentions he's a rattlesnake. DTA. Yeah, and that's where we get Austin saying, DTA, don't trust anybody. <laughs> you idiot. I would never, I, I won't never, ever be your partner. I ain't never. That's what he says. Yeah. I ain't never going to be your partner. Uh, and Mankind says Austin just made a big mistake because next week he's going to show him something uh, that'll change his mind. So he's going to bring something up from the past. We'll see what that is. Well, the dark match for that night of uh, July 7th was the Hart Foundation. Brett Owen and the British Bulldog against Steve and the Legion of Doom. Nice. Yeah. So nice little way to send everybody off. Yeah. The main event actually of the match was, or the night was Bret Hart against Goldust. Um, and that's actually a decent match. Brett is awesome in this match at the end where he does the he's kind of like in peril and he just schoolboy o'connor rolls type deal and comes up with the victory yeah classic you know? classic hard finish yep i love it um and this is also um where austin says that if if he doesn't um if he doesn't beat Owen, that he'll kiss his ass. Yeah. So this is the very first time this stipulation has been used, and it's, uh, you know, obviously we would go on to see the Vince McMahon kiss my ass club, and they would just take it to further and further lengths. Uh, but, yeah, this is uh, it's definitely uh, a little over the top, but, you know, more, uh, more of that edgy sort of, uh, you know, content being worked in. Yeah, there's a lot of stipulations coming up with these next bit of matches everybody's yeah. like i won't wrestle here uh you know yeah Nightheart says he'll cut his goatee right, right you know yeah a lot uh, of gimmicks yeah um next week owen and hart davy boy go against stone cold and whoever his partner will be um 
but he, he Gorilla Monsoon is going to handpick a partner for Austin himself or, or what? We don't know. Um, and Shawn Michaels is going to return. Great. Big night. Yeah, it's going to be in San Antonio. And that's this episode. 218 of Raw, July 14th, San Antonio, Texas. Woohoo! And they, they kick us off with that video package of how the Hart Foundation is... Like loved in Canada, but now they're in Texas. Yeah. Um, let's let's go to that real quick. Thank you for letting me still be your hero. I always love this background music. Yeah, yeah. We got gun control. We don't shoot each other and kill each other on every street corner. The red and white of the Maple Leaf win high and mighty in Canada. However, tonight, deep in the heart of Texas, last week's most popular become this week's most wanted in the Lone Star State. Whoa. Yeah, that's the little intro there. I love these intros that... Raw used to have um, start losing that uh, I mean from time to time on these newer episodes of Raw you do kind of get something like that but it, uh, I just I, I, I hate to say it I, I miss that that Vince McMahon yeah yeah or just some sort of um, I, I, that you know that sort of uh, voice of the WWF I mean they've you know they've had JR and Cole and you know all these people throughout the years um, but there's something about him de- delivering those short little intros. And I feel like the intros that they do now are like, they're drawn out. They're like, if they feel like forever. Um, yeah. And then that like Vince just shows up and kind of like, you know, he's talking fast and he lays it all out there in a minute. Um, but in a way that gets you hyped to watch the episode. Yep. Uh, this is basically the Hart Foundation coming out there, hyping all of their matches. Uh, Owen saying, Austin better pucker up. Uh, Davy Boy's talking about uh, he's gonna beat Ken Shamrock, and then he he'll eat a can of Alpo. <laughs> Jim the Anvil Nightheart will shave his goatee. Brian Pillman has a match at SummerSlam where he's gonna face Gold Dust, and he puts over Dusty Rhodes for being a terrible dad and Ooh. neglecting his son. Ooh, Ooh Jesus! Um, and he basically. He has a son that he's turned into a celebrated drag queen. Man, hidden, uh-huh. hidden below the belt. Yeah. And if Brian Pillman doesn't win, he'll wear a dress. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and then he finishes saying that might as well be one of Marlena's and he promises her the dress won't be anything and that uh, the... He promises her that the dress won't be the only thing that he'll be getting into. Yeah. So, a little scathing bit yeah. by Brian Pillman. Sleazy Pillman at his best. Yep. Um, Brett promises basically this is going to be a Canadian summer. Glass breaks and Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out and he yells and cusses at heart and Ken Shamrock walks out. And then the Patriot debuts. Who? Yeah. And then Psycho Sid returns. Wow. Huh? And then finally, San Antonio, the the hometown boy, uh, Shawn Michaels, he comes out. 
and it's these four guys. Uh, who's going to be Austin's tag team partner? Um, I don't know. Let's find out. Crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. Kind of good standoff. Definitely. Backstage with Mankind, Vince asks him a few questions, and we get no reply from Mankind. He's just sitting there rocking back and forth. He's a cooking us something up. Yeah. Then we go over to Paul Bear, and JR told us that he's going to drop the bomb this week. And Bear promises that next week he's going to prove that Kane is alive. Kane is alive. Yes, indeed. Um, then the Patriot is backstage, and he says he's not Stone Cold Steve Austin's partner. He just wants to beat up anybody who speaks out against America. And who is the Patriot? Patriot is Del Wilkes who I believe spent the majority of his career in Japan. Yep. Yeah. And he gets a name there for the, you know, the Patriot and all that good jazz. He's American. Yeah. Blue blood. Southern guy. Yeah. And he wrestled in WCW. He did, yeah. So they bring him on over. Next up, Vance is out with Shawn Michaels, and it's a hero's welcome back. And Michael says he's not 100%, but that's never stopped him before. And he's looking forward to Brett never wrestling on U.S. soil again. And he brings up SummerSlam. And he's not going to be a part of SummerSlam. Damn it. Just like fucking WrestleMania. Again. He needs to be a part of it again. And he'll set up the ring. He'll sell souvenirs. He does whatever. He's getting down on his knees about to suck McMahon off. (laughs) Um, Man, Vince... Says he'll grant him a ticket to SummerSlam uh, because he doesn't want to miss The Undertaker beating Bret Hart and running him out of this country. So, so again, second biggest show of the year. Uh, yeah, like to your point, Sean is uh, not not ready to wrestle for, you know, say what you will about the injuries, but he needs to be a part of the main event. He was at the commentary table for WrestleMania 13, and he's going to somehow find a way to work his way into the main event at SummerSlam. Yeah. Are we get Ken Shamrock against Neidhart. Uh Neidhart is terrible here. It's a four-minute match of no-selling. Hurricane Rana, sleep a hold. Um, Davey Boy comes out and attacks Shamrock. And then um, we get the Patriot running down, and he gives you some Uncle Slams. <laughs> That's what they call them. But this is basically the uh, Kurt Angle yeah. um, Olympic Slam. Yeah, and then Vince tries to speak with Mankind again. No response. Uh, Later, Vince talks with Steve Austin, asks him if Mankind is going to be his partner. And Austin says he doesn't care. Uh, He says he hasn't been 100% all year long, and every day he gets out of bed is a drastic measure. And that's the bottom line. Wow. Yeah, and he's not leaving San Antonio without the WWF Tag Team Championship. All right, so the... Vacant WWF tag team title match. It's Owen Hart and Davey Boy against Stone Cold Steve Austin and a mystery partner. Austin comes out and he's alone. And he's brawling with Owen and uh, Bulldog. And basically this is uh, Mankind appearing on the Titantron acting completely different. And he's wearing tie-dye and John Lennon glasses. Yeah. And who is he? He is Dude Love. Yeah. 
Oh, have mercy. <laughs> yeah, this is so lame. I hated this. I, I, I grew to love it. Uh, it was just so like out of left field. Um, you know, dude love of course is, you know, uh, a young Mick Foley's wrestling persona when he's making, uh, home movies with his friends. Um, dude love is his character. Um, and so he's able to bring that back in, into a, uh, a very over the top, uh, sort of, uh, hippie gimmick in 1997 and uh yeah it was it was it was lame to a point but it was also just so ridiculous like it was hard hard not to love it yeah i just didn't like it at the time as a child yeah Um, it just wasn't sold i I didn't like mankind as a face like that like uh, dude love i don't know it was just cheesy yeah yeah it was definitely cheesy so Dude hits a running knee in the corner and asks Steve if he wants to tag, but he's not ready. And they tag Davey. And then we get a uh, mandible claw and Owen breaks it up. And we get a missile drop kick. And while the ref is busy with Owen, Austin sneaks in and gives a stone cold stunner to the bulldog. And dude lays over for the one, two, three. And we get new tag team champions. It's dude love. And uh, stone cold Steve Austin. Yeah. We get JR saying, it's the summer of love. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And Austin's reaction is, you know, uh, not very thrilled that he's going to have to be a team with this guy. Uh, yep. He's weirded out by him and you can just see it on his face. He's just uh, sort of disgusted with the situation, even though he did walk out with the gold. Yes, indeed. Back to episode 218, July 14th. The dark match main event was The Undertaker beating Bret Hart and Steve Austin in a triple threat match. Yeah. Crazy. That is crazy. And to retain is, the title. Yeah, this is a match that they've been running on big house shows. I'm um, going back to um, before uh, before Canadian Stampede. Um, uh, they they were they ran at at a house show in Los Angeles, and it was a it was a particularly important house show because they were running in Los Angeles uh, the same night as WCW. Um, so again, just like starting to experiment with these triple threat matches a little bit, and yeah, it would have been. Would have been cool to be be in the building for that one. See those three. Yes, indeed. Um, this this next night on Raw, July twenty first, nineteen ninety seven, episode two nineteen. Uh, we're back in Canada again. Yes, indeed. And Vince must have had an eye to the schedule and, and really playing up this gimmick because they're in Canada seemingly more than they you know, usually. It's a couple times a year, but here here just in one summer, it's bouncing back and yeah, forth and back yeah. and forth. Yeah. Um, this is definitely building for this feud yeah. in a nice, positive way because we're getting different reactions, which is sometimes confusing because on TV you're like, hmm, so you get the choice of who you like, you know? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, and I definitely chose Bret Hart at this point. Definitely. Um, we get a rematch of Vader and Ken Shamrock from their hard fight from Cold Day in Hell. Yeah. Which was uh, reported Vader was really fucking fucked up from Ken Shamrock in that fight. He broke his yeah. nose in two places and everything. Yeah, they stiffed uh, the hell out of each other. Yeah. Um, and we get a triple threat or a three-way tag team match, too, with the Godwins, the new Black Jacks, which is uh, JBL and uh, Barry, Barry Windham. And yeah. then we get the Headbangers in there, too. But that's interesting, a three-way tag match. They're, they're introducing these three ways a little bit more. Definitely, yeah. Um, playing off of uh, ECW, I think, is... Uh, obviously had a three-way by now and i think a three-way tag match i think um 
WCW too did a three way tag match with the Outsiders, uh, Ming and Barbarian, and the Nasty Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one, I guess. Uh, I, for nostalgia's sake, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. That's what we're about. Yeah. Uh, vet, top of the show. Vince introduces the Heart Foundation, and. Brett said he had a nightmare last week that he was in San Antonio and that it was good to be back in God's country. <laughs> wow. And then he brings up the point, did you ever know the USA is shaped like a big giant toilet bowl? <laughs> it's because most Americans are full of crap. It's awesome, man. Um, love that. And then we get Sick the US burn. sucks chance. Um this is an interesting night. We're going to get um, Davy Boy Smith wants to go against Shamrock again tonight in Halifax. Owen wants to go against Steve Austin, and he calls him a pervert for wanting to kiss his butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just delivers it with that classic Owen voice, you know, you pervert. Yeah, and he doesn't want him to kiss his butt, but Austin can suck his toes. I think you're the pervert. Owen. Yeah, that's a, that's a little weird. So uh, they had talked about the flag match before, and Steve Austin comes out, and he goes, I'll be a part of your stupid little flag match for the night. Uh, and there's one American, and now we just need two more. So uh, next up is a seven-minute video package highlighting how Mick Foley becomes Dude Love. And... How Dude Love became Cactus Jack and how Cactus Jack became Mankind and how Mankind becomes Dude Love, you know? It's all a circle, yeah. yeah. It's all this cycle of yeah. how these characters evolved. And then um, Austin is telling the camera that he doesn't know if Dude Love is crazy, if he's got guts. Either way, he helped Austin get the job done. And Austin still wants to go on the record saying he doesn't want a tag team partner and that's just the way it is. Then we get Jim Ross bringing out Shawn Michaels to kick off the second hour. Woo. This is interesting because Shawn Michaels comes out, does a backflip straight off the top rope. That knee's looking great. Yeah. And Shawn in his book said he did this to piss everybody off. And this is really like big, big time badass for Shawn, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Here, I mean, he's pulled himself out of this proposed main event. You know, for the third time in a year, you mm-hmm. know, supposed to, have, supposed to be him and Brett at WrestleMania. Didn't happen. King of the Ring didn't happen. Now SummerSlam, not going to happen again. Um, and to go out there and flaunt, uh, you know, the fact that he isn't really that banged up, and especially with the, the knee that he's been cl- complaining about, you know, he's able to do backflips on is uh, just a big old fuck you to, you know, seemingly the entire company. Yep. Um, so he calls J.R. Girth Brooks. Oh. <laughs> Ow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's saying some shit towards Canada and he brings out some small little flags and sticks them in his shorts and uh, he's going to be the next member of the USA team tonight in that flag match. And there's some people that are genuinely pissed at Sean and Sean is saying that he wants Brett and he, he, he's, he's going to get to Brett and this is going to be the first time in over a year that they'll be in the ring together tonight. 
But Sean mentions that he would do anything to be at SummerSlam. And he begged and pleaded, and Sean is now part of the main event. And he's going to be the special guest referee. Fuck. Yeah, the stipulation is that uh, he can't show any favoritism towards anybody, the Undertaker yeah. or Brett. Uh, and if he does, he can't wrestle in the U.S. soil ever again. This is a nice yeah. little setup. Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a promotion in Canada after this is over. If none of these guys can wrestle in the U.S., yep. Um, but yeah, there there he is, and you know he's finally found his way into the main event, and he's made himself the center of attention yet again. Yes, indeed. And uh, then we get um, Brett Owen and Bulldog coming down to confront Vince about this special referee decision, and Vince stands up to Brett, and he knocks his headset off, and I'm I'm just gonna. Play this clip and cue this up real yeah, quick. This is a good moment. This is the Raw. Brett and the Heart Foundation are coming down. Brett is pissed off, approaching Vince McMahon, pointing. Vince is trying to ignore it. He's in commentator mode right now. Yeah. Swerve, throwing out that insider language. Crazy how he's bringing that up. Yeah. Uh oh, Brett's coming back. Knocks the headset oh. right off Vince. Oh my God, Vince looks so pissed. Yeah. The look on Vince's face rivals any look that he shot Austin in, in the years to come. Uh, oh, he points at Vince. Yeah. Vince smacks it away. He points yeah. back at him. Vince tells him to control himself. Yeah. He's going back, and now he tussles with Vince. Yeah. Vince is pulling the shirt over yeah. Brett's head, yeah. uh, almost like a hockey fight. They just have yeah. each other's collars, basically. Yeah. This is wild, though. This is yeah. This is uncharted territory. Oh, cameraman falls. Patriot in for the save. Uh, Owen takes him down. Schmaz ending. But yeah, uh, just interesting. Definitely, and right there. at a time where if you change the channel, you, yeah, the the and WCW, the NWO is getting bloated, and the storylines are starting to get a little convoluted with Eric Bischoff being part of the NWO. Uh, but yeah, if you want to see real, like this is you know this is as close to real in terms of you know uh, you know what's going on backstage being portrayed on television. Yeah, Vince is acting like. He's trying to avoid the whole situation. The acting is brilliant here. The um, the the part where Vince, or I mean, where Brett brings up, how dare you have him referee my match? This is going to be a swerve. Are you trying to swerve me? Yeah. This is the first time I'm hearing swerve from uh, anybody in WWF. Yeah. Um, and Vince is still looking angry as Brett Hart walks off as we go to a commercial break, and he's. Still trying to gather his composure when they come back from a yeah. commercial. But uh, I believe this is, like I said, this is where they set the the 
the the ball in motion. They knew this was an out to get Brett out. He's got to be like screwed in a way to where he can look good, go to another company uh, without being tarnished, you know. Yeah. And then this sets up a mega heel for uh, Shawn Michaels, um, a mega heel push to go against the badass Stone Cold. This is setting everything up in place yeah. right now. And I believe that they had those chess pieces aligned already. Yeah. Do you think Brett knows where this is going at this point? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Having the documentary film there crew that plays into it a lot because they can edit things out and save the face and also turn it into a way where he can monetize money for himself and the WWF for Vince turning into this heel character and uh, Brett basically still looks well you know good Mm -hmm. in this Um, I think there's a lot of things there there's a lot of elements yeah Um, and if saying the swerve thing that just threw it right there yeah for me yeah it's such i mean such foreshadowing there and i I think you're right when you mentioned the documentary and we'll get into it more um yeah once we uh sort of cover that um but you know the idea that that you know they're they're there because vince is letting him be there um now vince doesn't have control the way that brett does over what makes the cut and what doesn't but just the fact that they're there and this is you know, being put out there for the world that I think that sort of lends itself to the idea that, you know, Brett might know, he might've known more than he, you know, would like to let on. Yep. And there's yeah. elements of the film that are shown, but aren't, or, or th- we only get the audio of, and yeah. I'm like, Hmm, that's kind of fishy. Yeah. Like, why let the camera roll there? Why would somebody be wearing a wire? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Continuing on with the night, we're going to wrap this up. We got 218 and then two night. Uh, we have this is episode 219. We're going to wrap up. Then we have episode 220. That'll lead us in for the go home show for SummerSlam. We're going to wrap this episode up real quick. Uh, the Undertaker, Steve Austin, and Dude Love go against Davey Boy Smith, Bret Hart, and Owen Hart in a flag match. Before that, they had beaten up Shawn Michaels backstage, and he refused any help from Vince McMahon or any of the agents. And they're they're playing up Vince McMahon is definitely concerned about Bret Hart at the, as this major problem for him. Um the the match is it's all right. It, it's a decent flag match. It's one of the better flag matches that I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, there's you know flag matches or any sort of hey go um, like not that any sort of like hey there's a thing in the corner go get that i mean yep. i've never been too big a fan of this <laughs> yep uh towards the end um austin makes a tag to the undertaker and he's heating up the heart foundation chokeslam to davy boy smith into a tombstone attempt brett nails the undertaker from behind to break it up and they get into fisticuffs and they hit a double ko spot and the undertaker sits up and then he goes for that flag. And Owen slows him down. And then the Brett, Brett and Owen are racing for the flags on opposite corners. Um, and Brian Pillman comes out of nowhere and stops the Undertaker from grabbing the flag, making it easy for Brett to get it. And the Canadians win. And there's the Canadian crowd going wild. Yeah. One more, uh, one more big triumph in Canada before there's some... Uh... Not so uh, triumphant moments for for the Canadians coming up soon. Yep. Back on to America. 
born in the USA. It's like <coughs> Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You can't get more American than that. Uh, July 28th, 1997, episode 220 of Raw. Um, this is this is just a go-home show. Yeah. It's all right. It's, it's leading up for everything that's going to happen at SummerSlam. Um, Jim Ross meets with the Hart Foundation without Neidhart in the ring. And... Brett might be suspended or fired for what he did to Vince McMahon and Shawn Michaels. And the WWF has decided to go ahead with the SummerSlam main event either way. Next week, however, Gorilla Monsoon will name the commissioner and, and uh, they're going to figure out the entire situation and it's going to be reevaluated. Um, and Brett talks about how the American justice system is poor and how oj simpson case is the prime example yeah americans go about anything to screw you do anything to screw you yep this is also the promo i think where he uh where he says he again refers to the united states as one big toilet or one big toilet bowl and pittsburgh is yeah Right where you would give it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. If you were going to give the United States an enema, you'd stick the hose right here yep. in Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, the crowd gets really rambunctious here. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, and then he switches gears over to the Patriot towards the end for sticking his business or sticking his nose in his business. And he wants a match with the Patriot tonight. So that's all right. Building up this Patriot, he just yeah, came just out. Came from thin air, supposedly, and now he's in the main event with Brett. Yeah, and I, I kind of liked him as a kid. I was like, hmm. Like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Just I always liked people in masks. Yeah, yeah. I, I was definitely intrigued by that. Yeah. Um, so basically, after all that hell that we got put through between Triple H and Mankind, like you said, they announced this steel cage match. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. It's going to be awesome. And Triple H says he's going to see how big of an animal he can be. Sweet. Then we get the tag team champion, Steve Austin and Dude Love against the Godwins. Yeah. Owen Hart and Davey Boy come out for commentary. And Dude and Austin beat up Phineas. And this is like a nothing four-minute match. And, of course, it leads to, like, a, you know, a four-on-two fight until the LOD run down and scare off the Godwins and Owen and Davy Boy. So, nothing. Okay, then we get a, a recap of Soul and Spirit leading into the heart and soul, heart and soul. of SummerSlam 1997. That's the next show that we're going to cover. Um They show us clips of Undertaker's very first match at the 1990 Survivor Series where he faced Bret Hart. That was his first opponent in that match. Um, Pretty cool. That was awesome. Uh, Vince brings out Shawn Michaels, and he says he doesn't apologize for anything. He admits that he's a lot safer at ringside than he is back in the locker room, and that's probably true. With that said, Shawn Michaels is going to join us for color commentary for the main event. Awesome. Here's the main event. Bret Hart against the Patriot. And it's like a six-minute match. Um, Patriot tries to deliver the Uncle Slam real quick in the in the corner, but Bret kicks off the turnbuckles, and they both fall backwards 
into the referee and Brett hits Patriot with the pile driver for the cover, but Hebner is down. Uh, Brett shakes Hebner a little bit and covers again, but Sean sneaks in and pulls Brett off the pin. Brett is rightfully pissed and Brett is yelling at Sean from the ringside and Patriot schoolboys Brett for the one, two, three. What? Just pinned Brett. Yeah. Where did this guy come from? Yep. Yeah, I mean, at, at the time, that's like, you know, what I remember thinking. Yeah, so uh, Patriot gets a win over Brett. Brett is so fucking pissed. Shawn Michaels is on the table dancing, provoking uh, Brett to fight him, and he's going towards him. They're trying to separate him, and then boom, or bong, or yeah. bong. Boom. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to get a better yeah. bong sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Undertaker comes out and they lace the place up with his theme. And it's a go home show for SummerSlam 97, which yeah. is a match between Bret Hart and Sean uh, Bret Hart and The Undertaker for the WWF Championship with the special guest referee, Shawn Michaels. Then we have Steve Austin against Owen Hart. For Owen Hart's Intercontinental Championship. And That's a little a bit of pride. Yeah. yeah. So there, there's some things that are going to happen at this event that are going to change this, uh, the course of everything that we've been laying down. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, definitely a big turning point. Um, you ready for it? Absolutely. Yeah. This is one of my favorite SummerSlams. All right. Well, I think we'll catch you next. Well, let's see. What What's today's date? Today is... We are, yeah, we're recording this on July 26th, um, and so I think the third is is a week from today, just about, something yep. like that. Yeah. So in two weeks, we'll be back with an episode, yeah. and we'll cover the 1997 SummerSlam, and later this month, we are going to have a bonus episode for yeah, you Yeah, we guys. promise. We've been, we've been talking them up, and we are going to be ready to go with them very soon. Yep. This bonus episode is just going to be Jimmy and I at first. It's going to be the SummerSlam 1992. That took place on August 31st, 1997. But uh, obviously a lot later in the month than this 1997 one. But this event is uh, the one from London where Bret Hart is defending the Intercontinental Championship against the British Bulldog. Yeah. A great event at Wembley Stadium. Um, but it was originally supposed to be Bret Hart against Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Uh, part of the reason we're covering this, because it's going to be the 25th anniversary, um, just another... Seed or another part of the this epic tree that has been growing between the rivalry of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Yeah, absolutely. And what what Austin also drops a big walnut of Stone Cold Steve Austin and grows the Attitude Era. Yeah. Um, Beautiful. Yes, Be indeed. Yeah. Please, please write into us. Um, you can write us at Retromania podcast that's retromania with a w w r e t r o m a n i a podcast at gmail.com we want to hear back from you if you guys have any notes any complaints any love you want to send uh, come on through uh, drop yeah. us a line we'll read it back on the show too um yeah, absolutely absolutely if you want to get a hold on jimmy uh, of jimmy on twitter uh at jimmy underscore price um and uh we 
You're uh, also also on Twitter, or no, I'm not, not on Twitter not yet. On Twitter. But I'm going to make us a Retromania okay. Twitter. Okay, we yeah, do cool. have a Retromania Facebook Face, yeah. now, so you can uh, look us up there. Uh, you can find us on any podcast app, basically in iTunes too. Just search Retromania with a W, and you'll find us on Molehole Radio. Yeah, um, that's our host. Thanks to them again. Definitely um, check out some other podcasts from them called uh, Podcast and Movie. That's pretty neat. And then the yeah. um, the 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 infamous villains, I believe that's yeah. another one. Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of funny, uh, interesting stuff going on on Molehole. We're stoked to be a part of it. Yes, indeed. Um, so, thanks again, and until until next time, we'll we'll catch you on that SummerSlam trip. Yep. Thanks for listening. Good stuff. Get into it. <laughs>